0: We're continuing on in our series, Dynamics of Destiny Relationships. Can't tell you how many parts we have and how many parts are going to be. This is number seven. All right, John's counting. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I appreciate that because I thought I was going to go real fast on this one, and then the Lord told me to just stay here until I tell you you're done. And uh, so this was going to be a minute we certainly want to acknowledge those that are watching us on facebook live we certainly welcome your presence certainly we're praying that you're as blessed as those of us that are here in the house of god and uh, we'll talk to you some more at the end but definitely welcome for uh, we just want to acknowledge your presence as well all right so we have these four objectives for this series and within the dynamics of destiny relationships, we have parked um, for a minute on the destiny type of relationship around marriage and singleness. Now, but singleness is not a relationship. Oh yes, it is. If you do it right, how you relate to yourself is real important. Because some people put the burden Um, of their relational needs on other people inappropriately when they're single. Okay? I try to tell people, when you're single, stop trying to act like you're married. Okay? Because if you play like you're married when you're single, when you get married, you're not going to want to act like you're really married. That comes from counseling, folks. Okay, y'all, y'all was just playing games, but when it really got real game time, then you didn't want to play no more. All right, so <clears throat> get all your singleness, all your needs to be by yourself and have your me time and your me space and your man cave and your she shed and, you know, they got she sheds now. It's not just man caves. Women got, they got she sheds. Yeah, that's what they call them. So get all of those needs out while you single so that you can't you not coming in the mirror saying you crowd my space. She's supposed to be in your space. You marry her. All right. So um, we have to make sure we get these things right. So even as a single person, we're dealing with relationship. How you relate really does matter. OK. All right. So four objectives. Number one, to illuminate the basic power relationships. Especially relationships are de- that are developed for the purpose of glorifying God. Two, to elaborate on a love connection as a key to empowering relationships, the principles upon which relationships consist and by which they're maintained and enhanced. Three, to differentiate the various types of spiritual, natural, and social relationships and their purpose for being from God's perspective. And oh, by the way, um, marriage is a spiritual, natural, and a social relationship all at the same time. And then number four, to motivate you to be more intentional in your relational roles at every level for relational success. So I am very, I'm working hard to, to, to get some intentionality into marriage. Um, and not, and beyond, the, uh, I love you. So we should get married intentionality. I mean, understanding what the Bible has to say about this. Um, uh, and I'm, I'm drilling deep right now um, into the husband's role. I'm drilling deep. I'm telling you things that God showed me. Um, These are all things that, you know, when I'm correcting you is because I've been corrected. Like God gets on me and I get on you is kind of how that really works. And so I don't want anybody to think, okay, but he just, he just browbeating us husbands. No, I'm not. I'm just... I just think the standard is high. If if the standard for my love for Lady Nedra is how Christ loved the church, then that's a high standard. So then, um, so then I have to then take on well, how does Christ really love the church, and how do I apply that to my relationship, and what does that look like? And that's the thing that we're dealing with now. I gave you one scripture here, um, John one seventeen. I think I have that up next. And it says, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. We said that God deals with humanity at different times in different ways. The different ways that God deals with mankind at different times is the theological term for that is dispensations. We said that there was a there was a dispensation of the law that came through Moses, but the dispensation that was entered through Jesus Christ, which we still live in, is the dispensation of grace and truth. And a key point of this is some people want a lot of truth with no grace. Some people want a lot of grace and no truth. And so your marriage is not going to be better if you don't have some grace and some truth. Things won't, your relationships would not improve without grace and truth. Some people want to live all kinds of alternative lifestyles and then they say god loves everybody and he does but that's not the truth you live living you're still living a lie he made you a man and you decided that you're gonna you know go to the women's section and start sporting their clothes and try to go to their bathrooms you're not in the truth i'm not mad at you that don't mean god don't love you and i don't it doesn't mean i don't love you either it just means you're not in truth and this dispensation is not just a grace dispensation. It's a grace with truth dispensation. And Jesus demonstrated that when he dealt with the woman at the well. He was extending grace to her. He said, but listen, you don't have five husbands and then you shacking with this dude. He's not your husband. Didn't mean he didn't love her. He just had to deal with the truth of her issues if he was going to extend some grace to her. Okay. And so that's that's a key thing that we Talked about. Then I think uh, uh, we have this key statement that um, um, there is a grace of God to be either magnificently married or successfully single. We spent some time in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 talking about the grace or the gift to be married and single. We spent some time in first Peter chapter three, verse seven. We skipped the verses about the wife that were in first Peter three one through six. I'm coming back to those, ladies. You can go do some homework and just kind of prep yourself. I'm coming back to those, but i jumped I jumped past those to the husband and went to verse seven where it talks about having being joint heirs of the grace of life and um I talked about the fact that. For married couples, the, if, if you could take God's grace and turn it into finance and write it and sign it as a check, if there was a check paid to the order of David Johnson for the grace of God on my life, I said that the grace of God for me as a married man requires two signatures to cash. So I got to sign my name. Lady Nedra's got to sign her name. And if if both of us ain't signing, we're not cashing that check. Hallelujah. All right? That's a huge, huge deal. Because some people think they're married, and then they're just going to be blessed anyhow by themselves. And I'm like, no, nah, brother, you got to slow down. Right? And then we talked about the fact that, um, you know, the grace... Uh, the grace to be married means that you have grace to please the other spouse, even in ways that don't please you. Um, you know, I showed you last last month, uh, or last week, I showed you the picture of us ziplining and how much fun Lady Nedra was having and how little fun I was having. And uh, I went back and I <laughs> Hallelujah! Yeah, she's having fun. You can see that. Um, go ahead. You can show how little fun I'm having. I don't look like I'm having as much fun. Um, I wasn't. Uh, what I realized, I went back to some notes from, because every time when I'm on these vacations, I take my wedding video and I go through it, and then I just let the Lord talk to me. And on one of my times was my time, I said, because, you, you know, I'm thinking about how to how to be better at marriage. So I look at my wedding video every year and get some new revelation. And so I was taking notes, and I said to myself, um, I said, for um, for me, vacation is a noun. For Nedra, vacation is a verb. Yeah, see, somebody going to catch that. Yeah. See, see for me, I want to go on vacation. I just want to sit still because vacation is a noun. It's... It's a person, place, or thing. As long as I'm there, I'm vacationing. For her, vacation is a verb. If we're not doing nothing, we're not on vacation. And my statement is, if you spend all your time moving, then you need to come back and get a vacation from the vacation. So I want to rest on my vacation because vacation for me is a place, not an action. Okay? But then... If you learn to be married long, you learn that you make adjustments and you do things that please the other person. Okay, so I just want you guys to really grasp hold of the fact that there are, um, when, when I'm asking God for the grace to be married, I'm asking God for the grace to satisfy someone else, even in ways that are not satisfying to me. That's what I'm asking for. I tell us all the single people because they just think they want to get married. Because they, hormones are moaning. And all these other things. And I just want them to know that you're going to have to do some things if you're going to do this. And then don't wait till, till you get down the road with the license and then decide that I, I don't want to do that part. Well, you should have decided that you know, up front. Right? Which of you are intending to build a tower? Don't sit your happy self down and count the cost. Now, King James Version doesn't say sit your happy self down. That's the Pastor David Version. But you do have to sit down and think about this and think this thing through, or you'll miss out on what God has for you. Somebody say amen. Okay. Um, Now, last week, um, I gave you five aspects of preparation for marriage. I'm just going to review this list. I talked about the first one being spiritual maturity. We went to 1 Timothy chapter 4, 1 through 5, where it talks about marriage being for believers that know the truth and that we sanctify the marriage through the word of God and prayer. You got to find the word on it, and you need to put a lot of prayer on it. Your marriage is not going to be everything that God does if you're not spending a lot of time praying about your relationship and i'm going to tell you today if you're single believing to get married you don't wait till you get married to start the prayer hallelujah hallelujah yeah you need to put you, you need to put you some prayer before you get there all right so that's that spiritual maturity talks about that too was alignment with the house and move of god we talked about um, in, in one Corinthians ten, and then Exodus thirty-three, we talked about this thing called the baptism with baptism into Moses, and we said that Moses was leading the people through the cloud um, and through the sea, and that that was a type of the corporate move of God, that that you stay aligned with that. And I showed that specifically um, in Exodus thirty-three seven through ten and eleven. Um, that when Moses would go in to pray, he would bow down before God, and then every man would stand up at the tent door. And I told the men, and men of destiny, I said, when I'm praying for the church, I'm on my knees, my men are standing. And because the, the symbolism is, that they are waiting to hear me hear God on their behalf and then they're going to hear what I have to say God has said and then they're going to go home and say, as for me and my house, we're going to be in line with what God has for God's house. Right. Um, so that was number two. Then number three, you said is management of your physical body because Ephesians 5, 28 and 29 says a man has to love his wife as his own body said you don't hate your body you nourish cherish and wash that thing and that's the way that a husband's supposed to do for his wife and so if you're mismanaging your physical body then you're mis- going to mismanage the uh the woman god gave you then we talked about career management um that's proverbs twenty-four, twenty-seven. prepare your work make it fit for itself in the field and afterward build your house Um, so many times, uh, I deal with people who are in love, but they don't know how to live, right? Bro, you got to have a plan, man, right? Um, you know, back in the old day, you used to have a, have a dowry. If you didn't have no money, the the father, the father would be like, child, please, you can't, you can't, (laughs) you can't bring no cash to the table, no romance without finance, (laughs) Okay. And um, so you need to have a plan. Now I know things can go wrong. People get laid off. I get all of that. But I mean, make sure you don't put your best foot forward. Right. And I don't like it. Listen, listen, listen. Your pastor believes that, you know, women are fully empowered to go in the workplace and do everything that a woman can do in Jesus name. But. You don't want to be out there hustling and then bro man sitting at home chilling. Okay, so I feel some kind of way, you know, when you in marriage counseling and she got all these visions and dreams and plans and then bro man just like, I don't know what we're going to do. We're just going to figure it out as we go. I feel some kind of way. I had one of them recently and um, I was real. Um, I was nice. I was nice. But uh, I was feeling some kind of way because I a man's supposed to have that. God gave Adam an assignment of work before he gave him help to do that work. And so what happens is we have what I call desperate Christian housewives because they marry men who haven't figured out who they are, what they're supposed to be doing, but then want all of this help. And she has nothing to help if he's not doing nothing hard to assist a parked car with moving, all right? And then uh, fi- number five is financial stewardship. That comes from two scriptures, Proverbs 31 and 10, who can find a virtuous woman for a price as far above rubies. Luke 16, 11 is the second one says, if you've not been faithful with unrighteous mammon or money, who will give to you your trusted true riches? And so, um, you want to have the financial stewardship down before you marry. Um, it's not just, see, career, career management is you knowing how to make money. Financial stewardship is you knowing how to keep it. And both of those things are important. Because there's people that know how to make money but don't know how to keep it. And so... Um, you know, these are things that the Lord showed me when I was single and said, bruh, if you want to speed up, you want to get married, get your, get your prereqs down. You want to go on to the next level, handle the pre-classes. Okay. All right. All right. Now let's, um, turn to Ephesians 5, 25 through 30. Um, there's some scriptures I'm gonna have today and then we're gonna, talk some about husbands loving their wives. Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to read 25 through 30. And it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies, He who loves his wife loves himself. No one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. All right. Now, I have some quick points about marriage that um, I've given you before. I think this one, I did these in in the month of uh, January, but I want to go through those again. Go ahead, John, to the next one. So eight quick points we gave from these scriptures. So this is just review, but I want to dig deep into um, five through eight. So I'm just going to review it. Number one, marriage works best in an environment characterized by mutual submission. You're not just the boss all the time. Okay. Um, There is a time when if you're smart, you'll listen to the help God sent you. And if she got the better wisdom, then put your ego aside and get the help. Okay. Um, because you're, you're not, you're not, <laughs> he didn't make you the head because you're always right. He made you the head because you're always responsible. Now, that's good preaching, Pastor David. Yes, it is. Number two, the wife is expected to honor and yield to her husband in ways that are fitting with her covenant with the Lord. Submit to your husbands as is fitting the Lord. Now, if he tell you to do something that's out the Bible, he tell you, you know, we, we quitting Jesus and we go into some other, some other thing. You say, child, please, I'm not doing that. Okay, so it has to be fitting the Lord. Three, the expectation of God is that a wife's submission to her husband provide benefit to her. Ladies, y'all are supposed to give me a, a much heartier amen on that one. You're supposed to get benefit. He's the husband is the head of the wife and the savior of the body. The head and the savior aren't two different things, they go together, right? So, this is what the this, I'm just telling you how the Lord explained it to me. He said, She was bawling when she met you, bruh. Now, I know God talks to you in these and those. I know, yeah, yeah, I say it. But he was like, man, she 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 had her own, she was going on vacations and stuff when she was by herself. It should get better. If she got married, it should be better, it should not be worse. I know we marry and we say for better or for worse, but it should be on the most part getting better, not worse. He is savior of the body. All right. That was number three. Number four, it matters concerning the home as long as it's within biblical guidelines. The husband is to have the final say. Now, he shouldn't pull it out all the time. It's not like a wristwatch. It's like a pocket watch. And every once in a while, he needs to tell time, okay, I got to make the final call on this one. All right? But he is the person. The person who God's coming for first is the one who gets the final call. If he said, Eve, where are you? Then I would say she should have had the final call. But when he came looking for Adam first, then that meant that the person who has to answer has to have the final the final call on the decision making. That's why I love everybody in the church, but I'm going to make the final decision because he's going to ask me first about what happened. You follow me? It's not because I think I'm smarter than everybody else in the church. It's just that I understand. The authority principle is that the one God leaves in charge is the one who he will ask to answer for the situation. Not going to be like King Saul was. God, I got afraid of the people. Child, please. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. Nope. Not doing that because I'm going to be the one that answers. You follow me? All right. So that's why we say in the home because the expectation of God is that the head has The final authority, and that's why it says that a a wife should be subject to her husband and everything. Now, that's just the review part. Five through eight is what I want to dig into today. Number five says God expects a husband to use his uh, position of authority to demonstrate love for his wife in the same way that Christ does for the church. The The purpose of your authority is not so you can run around with a testosterone tantrum saying, I'm... I'm the man at his house. Stop. Stop that. Don't ever do that again. Don't ever do that again. Because Jesus don't walk around saying, I'm the Lord. I'm the Lord. He doesn't do that. Okay. So he uses his position of authority to show and demonstrate the love of God. So when we were in our foundations class, we said, what is the primary motivation or the primary um, method or means of God's ministry is it is it the law of God is it the holiness of God is no it God so love love is his primary thing and so our authority as husbands is primarily for the purpose of showing love because Christ is our example All right, that's number five. Number six, here's, here's a key thing, and I'm gonna dimish, I'm gonna show some of this today. The husband's love ministry to his wife is designed to fix deficits in her character. Chow, mm. the wife should be like, come on, preach, Pastor David, preach. Yes, because Christ loved the church, and then He washed her and cleansed her from all her spots and wrinkles. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I'm just saying. That's exactly what that says. Oh, my goodness. Okay, it's supposed to fix the deficits. All right? Washing of water has the implication of a rain cloud. That means you wait for the right moment to have the right word to fix the situation. So sometimes you got to wait because the conditions are not right. You know, it's 30%. It's 30%. It's not time for you to say that. Sometimes, brother, some days you should just shut up, cause you you look at the forecast, and this is not the day for that one. You know, now when you're around good, Mary, man, we we have cold. I said, I said, I said, I said, I said that was a silent hallelujah. He said, Yep, it was. It was a silent. We had cold. Okay, cause see, sometimes you think, cause you you the boss, you can just say everything right now and then you say something and it hangs around like a 40 year mortgage that gets refied at the end with a big balloon note and it just comes back over and over again when it would have been better if you had just shut up because you can't she won't get wet if it's if the conditions are not good for rain i'm just saying i'm just saying the weatherman says, "What's the what's the percentages?" I'm like, "Nah, nah, nah, no, nope, no. Nope. It's 15%. That's not good enough. It's not. I can't rain on this one today. I can't get that word today. I'm gonna wait. Now, where did I learn this from? Have you ever had a got, a got a prophetic word? Somebody gave you a prophetic word, and it seemed like just the right thing you need to hear at that time. Well, Jesus has known that word since eternity past and he waited to just the right moment and said now i can rain on her now when you heard it it was so deep you cried oh my god god spoke to me he t- he knew that he knew that thousands and millions of years ago but he waited for the right moment to let it rain so did, just because you know something now doesn't mean we need to talk about it right now. I'm just I'm just telling you, you need to have some silent hallelujahs. All right. Number seven, the husband is the primary beneficiary of this love many mini, love ministry. He should see it as extended self-care. He should see this love ministry as extended self-care that he might present her to himself all right so the benefit who gets the biggest benefit on me being a good husband I do because as she grows into everything she can be I get the ministry I get the benefit of that right so Jesus died for the church so that he could present her to himself he gets the benefit Of his own ministry in our lives. Same thing as true husband and wife. And then finally, number eight, the husband should nourish and cherish. Nourish is to feed, to cause, to grow, to supply with nutrients. And then cherish is to treat with tenderness and affection to give warmth, ease, and comfort to. Warmth, cherish, warmth, ease, and comfort. (laughs) Not not coldness, harshness, and discomfort. Yeah. Nourish and cherish. Okay, you're going too far. Not yet. Not yet on that one. Go back. Keep going back. Yeah, stay there. Stay there. Okay. All right. Um, how, if the husband is to love his wife as Christ loved the church, how does jesus christ love the church okay john now now you got the usual things to find me some scripture so john chapter 17 we're going to read verses one through three and then verse nine john 17 verses one through three and verse nine okay so how does how does jesus christ show his love to the church now remember what we have said we've said That the love of God is not a feeling, but a pattern of behaviors. So let's look at Jesus' behavior in loving the church. Okay, so God is holding me responsible as a husband. John seventeen, one through three. Okay, and then down to verse nine. Okay, Um, God is looking at me as a husband and saying, "How Jesus loved the church is what I'm looking. I'm holding you responsible for." Now, because love is a pattern of behaviors, it is, love is first spiritual, and real love can then be demonstrated by how you give account to the person who gave your wife to you about the wife he gave you. Right? As a pastor, I am instructed to feed you and teach you That and and then you are instructed to obey me because I have to give an account to God for you. Right. Pastor, that's what the scripture says. I got to give an answer. Right. And so um, the same way I have to give an account as the pastor to the church, as as a husband, I have to give an account for my wife. And so here we see Jesus as the one loving the church giving an account to God for his wife okay so let's just look at things he said about it john 17 i'm going to read 1 through 3 and then i'm going to skip down to verse 9 jesus spoke these words lifted up his head eyes to heaven and said father the hour's come glorify your son that your son also may glor- glorify you as you have given him authority over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. You've given him all authority, but he can give eternal life to the ones that really responded to him. Got it? Right? Number three, verse three says, and this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Now, verse nine. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All right? I prayed for them. I do not pray for the world. I pray for the ones you've given me. So remember, we said that marriage is a mystery. The mystery is Christ and the church. So I can look at Christ in a relationship with the church, and then God can give me wisdom on how we are supposed to relate in marriage. So I was reading this, and I said to myself, self, you know what? Um, how how does this work for me? Now, I can't cause Lady Nedra to experience eternal life. Only Jesus can do that. He that has the son has life. He that does not have the son does not have life. But the quality of her life gets better or worse depending on how good I am as a husband. Oh, yeah the quality of her life gets better or worse by the, by my ability to hear and follow after God. All right. So I was reading this and then the Lord said to me that because of my authority as her husband, I can pray prayers over her that no one else can pray. Because remember in first Corinthians chapter seven, the husband has authority over the wife's body and then the wife has authority over the husband's body right so i read this and then i wrote these words i pray for lady nedra i do not pray the same for any other woman because out of all the women in the world you gave her to me that she might experience abundant life bam and god said that i have the highest ability for me to intercede over anybody is over her because I have more authority in her life than I have over anybody else's because of the covenant that we had. Okay. Now, Pastor David, I don't know how to do this. That's why I got my, that's why I have men of destiny praying. I'm teaching them how to pray over their whole lives because Your prayer is supposed to launch your wife into a higher level of covenant living in Jesus name, because Jesus prayer over the church launched us into eternal life. Yeah. Yeah. So his first love act was an act of intercession. Okay, so I went through this whole this whole chapter. And I'm going to just tell you some points that God gave me. It says, if I am to love Nedras, Christ loved the church, then how do I do that? What standard does God give? It is the way that Jesus loved the church and gave himself for her. Here, Jesus is describing to his father how he did this. Remember, Adam was a single man. God then presented her to him, and then God joined them together as husband and wife. Jacob had a seven-year espousal period before they came together, together when he worked for Rachel. Jesus had a a three-and-a-half-year espousal the engagement where he went through a process. Jesus recognized that God had given him a realm of authority over a specific group of people so that he could give eternal life to them. I recognize that God has given me authority over my wife's body so that I can administer abundant life to her. Her life's supposed to get better because I can pray. It don't get better just because I say I'm the man. I should be calling on God, and her life should be getting better because I know how to pray for her. Today was a, Lady Nedra had a tough day at work uh, yesterday. Stopped everything, stopped the presses. I know I had to come to church today, but I'm like, slow down. I can't spend time getting ready for you, and then she missed the ministry at home. So I had to slow everything down to make sure that she got what she needed. And then, coming out of yesterday, she had some meetings today, and I prayed. And heaven and hell knew I was praying because I have authority. So when I pray over her, it's just like Jesus talking to the father about the church. He stops and listens to everything Jesus have to say about the church. But guess what? When I pray about her, he stops and listens because I'm the highest authority on the earth to intercede for her. Every husband is. I just know what to do with it. Okay. So. I know that, that when things are going wrong, I'm like, listen. I said, no, 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 devil. You know, Satan looks like he looks for whom he may devour. I'm like, no, you may not devour her. She got a husband who know his spiritual authority. I'm not walking around like Adam, letting the devil talk to my wife and snatch stuff from me. I got authority. I got authority. My prayers make a difference. I said, I told him, you don't have the right to try to get in her head and live rent free. You don't got that right. You don't got the right to try to snatch stuff from her and 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 be dismissive of her at work. You don't have the right. Now I'm not talking to the to the men because they primarily men. I'm talking to the devil behind the men. Because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Yeah. So I'm like, I ain't got to talk to them. They just puppets. I'm getting at that spirit that's trying to mess with them to mess with her. Do you understand? Jesus said, out of all other people in the world, you gave me these so that they could experience eternal life. And then he prayed the life in that they needed. That's why this minute, listen, listen, this minute destiny prayer thing. I know I just got to be men. Why are we just child police? I know exactly why the Lord is telling me to do what I'm doing. Because we need men who know how to pray. Because if they know how to pray, then everything in the house going to go better. One man sin and then death fell on the whole planet because of one man sin. And he couldn't turn around. He tried to turn around and blame God and the woman God gave him and God ignored all of that and said that just fig leaves. So if you know how to pray, your household gonna run good. Gotta heal that woman cause you praying. He'll bless her career cause you praying. He'll fix the emotional issues in her life cause you praying. So I recognize that God has given me authority over my wife's body so that I can minister eternal life. By the way, I found this out on the beach when we was on vacation, when it was a noun, not a verb. I know she wanted to run around, but I'm just sitting on the beach talking to God about my marriage. And then God started talking to me. I'm just saying, like, I I finally got her to understand, hey, you know what? It's good for you if I sit here and just talk to God. Your life going to be better because he's going to talk to me and tell me how to treat you good. And then once we work that out, that, you know, I'm going to get up and go sometime, but I'm going to sit sometime and we're going to be cool. You're going to enjoy it. Your life going to get better because I asked God, I mean, you know, that party that I had for her came out of a time with God. God was like, I want you to do this. You understand what I'm saying? But guess what? Every husband. If they'd learned how to pray, God would tell each and every one of them how to make their wives happy. Because it's a grace. It's a grace. It's a favor. It comes by faith, and faith comes by hearing the word of God. Eternal life is that she know God and Jesus Christ who God has sent. I'm responsible to manifest the name of the Father, his character to her. I recognize that God gave her to me out of the whole world. Jesus said, there's a bunch of people on the planet, but I'm not even praying for them. What? You created them all. He said, but out of all of them that I created, these are experiencing the God kind of life with me. Okay, so I, I take my authority as a husband in prayer, and I pray for the quality of her life. right so I report to God on how she keeps the word and these are all of the things that Jesus reported on. I'm just going through John 17 and asking God how does this apply to my marriage and these are all my notes I am to report whether or not she acknowledges the things that I have given to her came from Jesus based on the results she experienced now when I see women married women with men who who really understand their spiritual authority it's not all about how much stuff they got the question is whether she experiences god's best kind of life because of his ministry to her that's not a bunch of stuff listen i know people with a bunch of stuff unhappy so it's that's not a stuff thing. That, it's a it's, uh, you know what? I was in prayer this morning and God told me such and such and such. Say more. She turned around like here, go, hey. Hey. You understand what I'm saying? That's that's what that says. That she can acknowledge the things he said came from God. That's why you want to spend the time in prayer. Because that's where you're gonna get some answers at. All right, you, I don't have all the answers. You're not supposed to have all the answers. You're just supposed to know how to hear the person who has all the answers. Okay? Um, there must be special prayers that I do for my wife that I do not do for anyone else. I pray for her under the understanding that God gave her to me, and ultimately she belongs to him. Everything that God gave of her to me ultimately is his, and he has shared her with me, and her life causes glory to come to me glorify yourself father right the glory a, the wife is a crown of glory to her husband like like she gives me credibility now i've been in places where husbands say all of this stuff about i'm the man and then every all the women look at the wife and see if they she really tell if he really telling the truth and they like he ain't he talking a bunch of junk Ladies, can I get an amen? Amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you hear all of the stuff he's saying, and then you look over at her and see if it's true or not. Don't shut me down when I'm preaching good, because some brothers saying all of that stuff, and then when they go home, the women done already peeped your whole car, baby. They know you just saying a bunch of stuff, but she running things. Stop that. Am I right? You done peeped it out. You looked at him and said, that ain't true. He just saying some stuff. It ain't true at all. He just saying some stuff. He just, he just selling wolf tickets. But nobody believed the wolf. Nobody believed it. He's selling wolf tickets, but nobody buying. And they just saying, okay. So when you really are flowing in the things of God, people actually they can see it. They can sense it. It's a glory on it. There's a grace to it. There's a grace when it's really real. You, you can't fake that long. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Some people try to do the Ken and Barbie act, but sometimes you're going to drop the mask, baby. You're going to drop the mask. And even when you think like, you know how it is. It's funny. Like people think that discernment is a one-way mirror. Like they can see everybody else, but nobody can see them. Why did you think that was a one-way mirror? Why did you think you can figure out how everybody else is fake and nobody can figure out how you fake? Yeah, no, people see that. They can fix it. I mean, You, you see what I'm saying? All right. They, they can sense it. All right. Uh, I report to God on my stewardship that as long as I live, I keep her in line with God's name. His name is his character, his reputation, and ability. God is a God of love. That's his character. His reputation follows that. Right. And his ability. So I'm asking God to let all of that love and sensitivity that he is flow through me. If I don't have enough on my own, I just let the love of God be shed abroad in my heart. Right. In the name of Jesus, I'm asking you to do this through me for her. Then I'm keeping her in line with his name. You follow me? OK. Um. I am, I must report that I have given her his word. I report to God on what challenges she has faced because of the word that I gave her. He says, I have given them this. Jesus said, I have given, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. Okay. You you give your wife a ram word from God, and then she starts finding a good fight of faith. You know, some people not not everybody happy. I knew, I knew this birthday party wasn't going to make everybody happy. His child, please. Too bad, so sad. You understand what I'm saying? But I'm responsible because God told me to do it. You follow me? Okay. I am to pray for her to have what she needs from the Father in Jesus' name to advance the kingdom in spite of satanic opposition and worldly persecution. And she's had her own share in her own spaces. But she got a, she's got a chief intercessor. Hallelujah. Remember, what did Jesus say? Satan has desired to sift you as wheat, but I done prayed for you. You're going to be all right. Because I have prayed. He, that's husband talk. That's husband talk. I Satan's trying to come get you, but I done prayed for you. I can't exempt you from your trial. But because I know how to pray, you're going to be all right. Woo! Mm. That's some good preaching, Pastor David. Yep, I done preached myself happy. I am to pray to God on how, now this is a key one. I am to pray to God on how I transform myself in line with his Word, so that she can become all that God intends her to be. Now, that, that one, that's the one that really changed my life. Let me find that. John 17. I'm going I'm to give you the scripture, John. In my Bible, electronic, it calls it the high priest. They call this whole book the high priestly prayer. Um, John 17 and 19. Get that up for me, please. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. He said... So that my wife can become everything she needs to be, I became what I needed to be to minister to her. I'm not really emotional, but my wife likes emotions. I transform myself into what she needs to be so that she can experience God's best. My wife really likes me to just, you know, give her flowers and hold hands through the mall, but I don't like holding hands. It makes me feel self-conscious. I became what I needed to be so that my wife can get what she needed. My wife likes to hear me. But <laughs> <My>, I became. <laughs> I became. <laughs> I became what I needed to be because these are things she wanted and she needed. Do you understand? That's really, that's what Jesus said. He became. Do you, remember, do you realize that in eternity past, Jesus didn't have a physical body? But so that his wife could become what she needed to become, he said, flesh and blood you don't desire, burnt offerings and sacrifice, but you have prepared for me a body. And even though he didn't have a body before, he came in a body and he took that body back to heaven. He's never going back to the form he had before. And the body that he has still has the nail prints in the hands and and the print in the side. It still has the marks around his head where they put a crown of thorns on him. He will bear the marks of his love for you throughout all eternity. He became what he needed to be so that you could become who you needed to be. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. He sanctified himself. He said, I'm willing to make myself become what I need to be so that she can become what she needs to be. And then people get in marriage and don't want to change. What's wrong with you? What Bible are you reading? You're going to have to do something. You're going to become something different. If she's going to have God's best baby, you're going to have to change. Does that make sense? I'm just telling you, this is what it is. This is what it is. All right. Let's go back to my notes. Hallelujah. So I tell God how I transform myself in line with the word so that she could become all that she needed to be. Then I pray not only for her, but for the natural and spiritual children that come out of this union, that they will all be united in expanding the kingdom and experiencing the kingdom lifestyle. I pray that she and our children benefit from the oneness that I have with God. She should experience the benefit of the love relationship I have with God. I ask, I'm asking God to mature her in her level of relationship with him. God, I have known you, and Nedra knows that you sent me, and I have declared unto her your name and will declare it that the love you gave me may be in her, in Jesus' name. Now, this is this was me reading this passage of scripture and saying, "How do I love her as Christ loved the church?" You follow me? Okay. Because real love is not a is not sexual first; it's spiritual first. It's spiritual first love is a spiritual force because God, who is the spirit, is love. Right. So the first act of love really is intercession. That's not in my notes, so you might want to write that down. The first act of love really is intercession. Is can you pray? And can your prayers cause heaven to move on her earth? That's why uh, I encourage all of the wives to make sure your husbands get to men of destiny prayer. I'm just saying, your pastor trying to, I'm trying to help, I'm trying to hook a sister up. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you. You get him to pray right. I'm telling you, a bunch of stuff will change. Your husband need to get, no, honey. No, no. Now, if, you, if he can't be the alarm, you be the alarm and make sure he get here on time. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, because him praying is going to help you out. Him hearing God's going to help you. Things will get better as he learns to pray. Woo. Yeah. Things will get better. John, go to Matthew 26, 36 through 41. So let's talk some more about this intercession stuff. This is good, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. I do this stuff. Brothers be like, man, you just hard on the brother. No, the Bible is hard on the brother. I'm not hard. God is. There was a different standard. I give it to you, but he didn't give us one. What about her? Listen, 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 listen. If Jesus hadn't done what he did, we wouldn't have no way to get in the game to do what we are supposed to do. So then I can't look at her to decide, am I going to do my part? That's what it means to be the head. He initiated the love. God first loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the substitutionary sacrifice for our sins. We didn't first love him. He first loved us. Husbands first loved the wife. All right. Now let's look at this. Matthew 26, 36 through 41. Then Jesus came with them. To a place called Gethsemane, and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little further, fell on his face, and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to his disciples and found them sleeping, and said to Peter, What could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. All right? So I was just asking the Lord, husbands, love your wife. How, how much should I love her? And I, he said to me that your wife should go to sleep and wake up hearing you call her name out to God. Woo. Lord, Lord, Lord. Oh, I, oh, I got to, I got to, I got to do some night watch praying for her. She should go to sleep hearing me call her name out. God bless her, touch her, heal her, fix it, Jesus, fix it. And then she shall wake up still hearing me pray, cause that's how the church heard Jesus. They fell asleep and woke up, and He was still praying for them. Woo, that's some good preaching, Pastor David. Yes, it is. Now. How long is this intercessory ministry of the husband for the wife required? How long should I do this? Well, let's look at Hebrews 7.25. It says, therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. As long as I'm alive, I should be praying for her. As long as I'm alive. Because Jesus' prayer is my standard. And he ever lives to make intercession. Woo. That means I can't run out of, I can't run out of prayer words. You know, because sometimes my wife is like, you know, you get home from work and then, you don't know, use all your words at work and you just want to sit down and shut up and watch TV the rest of the night. Uh, in intercessory prayer, I can't be running out of words. Because I got to ever live to pray because Jesus is my example. He don't ever run out of words for me. I can't ever run out of words about her. I'm just saying. Right. Say amen if this is blessing you. All right. Look at 2 Timothy three sixteen and seventeen. I'm gonna shift a little, shift a little bit, um, a little bit here, um, to another area. But I want you first of all, did you did you grasp just with what we've said so far the power of a husband's prayer life? Yes. That there's power in your prayer. That, that that you praying is supposed to fix a bunch of stuff. You don't, you don't fix it by arguing at home. You fix it by praying. You fix it by praying. You fix it by knowing that your prayer has powerful effect because you have authority over her life. And then you take that authority and then you turn it towards God and say, God, I need your help. I need you to show me. I need you to bless her. I'm asking you to fix this and this and this and this. And then you keep praying about this and this and this and this. And how long do you pray? That's just like asking how many licks does it take to get to the center of a tootsie roll, tootsie pop. Until you get this and this and this and this fixed, you keep praying about this and this and this and this. Because he ever lives to make intercession. Right? Now, look at 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And is profitable for doctrine reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good, good work. So how many scriptures are given of God? How many? All. All scripture is given to help the man of God be completely furnished for his good work. OK, so one of the. The good works, I'm just showing you some of the insights that God gave me from Scripture about marriage, even though it didn't look like it was there, but me and God talking about this, He going to explain it to me because he don't want Pastor David stuck on stupid forever. Okay, so he's going to show me with all Scripture the stuff I need to know to be a better husband. And if ain't nobody ha- happy but Nedra. That's enough. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Okay. <laughs> all right? I know she's glad about it. Okay. Because I'm not where I want to be. But baby, I'm not where I used to be. Brother done made some changes. I'm just saying. I'm not. Hey. Mm-mm. I am growing in grace and in the knowledge of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All right. Now, we believe that all scripture is given by God. But then there's two books that we tend not to believe is profitable for us. Okay? There's two books that we just, I don't think that's, that's really necessary. One of them is the book of Revelation. Ah, that book ain't necessary. Blessed are those that read the book and see the words that contain therein. But people don't think they need to know it. They don't believe that it's, it's profitable. But according to to our passage of scripture in 2nd Timothy it's scripture so therefore it is profitable all right not only do people not believe that the book of Revelation is really relevant they don't believe the second book which is the one I'm going to deal with now which is the Song of Solomon is relevant but it's scripture what did I say it's scripture so because it's scripture there's something in it that's profitable for reproof for correction for um, instruction and in righteousness so that I can be equipped to do the good work of being a good husband. Preach pastor David clap right there. That's a, That's good. Pastor David, that's good. So there's something in there. Okay. So, um, there's a lot. I, I can't even unpack in one message, all of the stuff that the Lord showed me out of song of Solomon. I'm going to just show you one about how, um, you know, Solomon had a black wife. You didn't know that, didn't you? You know, because sometimes you're not careful, you' marry a woman like your mama. And David's wife, Bathsheba, was married to Uriah, the Hittite. The Hittites were from the children of Heth, which were from the children of Ham, which were the black people. I'm just saying. He married a woman look looked like his mama. I'm just saying. Okay? And so, <laughs> Pastor David, where do you get all of this stuff from? I just read the Bible. Let God talk to me. He explained it to me. I'm just saying. He does. He just explains it to me. I'm just saying. Go back and read it, and then you'll see that what I say was right. Okay. <laughs> um, Song of Solomon has great... Revelation on biblical lovemaking and the lovemaking that is really is talking about doesn't start with all of the physical intimacy. It starts with the words. Because you nourish, cherish and wash your wife with your words. People always want to start with the physical stuff and I'm like, bruh, bruh, if I could get you to talk right, everything else will fall into place. If I could just get you to use your words right, if I could get you to say the right stuff, man, if I could just get you to talk right, this other stuff wouldn't be as hard as you making it. I'm just saying. But because nobody's reading this part of the Bible, nobody knows this. Because how can they hear except there be a preacher? Because faith only comes by hearing the word of God. So when we don't preach it, that's why our marriages are struggling. So we ignore. See, (laughs) like God got the rule book. Bruh, come come here, come here, come here. Let me show you what to do. And then we just ignore that whole part of the Bible. And then wonder why we can't get our act together. And then preachers won't preach about it. <laughs> and then they spiritualize it and say, it don't mean what it means. <laughs> he said, he said <laughs> there was one commentary that said, when he said to his wife, uh, you know, your breasts are lovely. That just meant that the old and the new Testament was, was the wisdom of God. And I'm like, how in the world did you go? Like you went past the obvious into something like, well, just dumb stuff. I'm like, see, that's why I'm like, see, you a preacher and you don't know. I know your marriage life was jacked up with your preaching self. You read, you you see what I'm saying? People miss the obvious. They try to be super deep and then go past the obvious revelation that's right there in front of their face. Like it's like written in black and white. You don't even have to have a theology degree to understand it. So let's look at Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. We're going to talk about how love starts with the words. Hallelujah. And it says, I am dark. King James says, black, but lovely. He says, I'm black, but I look good. (laughs) Did I prove my point here? Did I prove she was a sister? She said, I'm dark and lovely. See, y'all thought that, y'all thought, y'all thought Maybelline came up with that thing, didn't you? Y'all didn't know that I was in the Bible. She said, (laughs) she said, she said, she said, said, I'm dark, but she said, she said, Hey, the black of the berry, the sweet of the juice. That's what she was saying. I'm just saying. That's your Bible. It's in your Bible. Get your own out. You read it. It's right there. Okay? I'm dark but lovely, O daughters of Jerusalem, like the tents of Kedar, like the curtains of Solomon. Now look at verse 6. This is the key. Because when she married him, she came into her relationship with some deficits. And it came out of her childhood experiences. Watch this, verse six, do not look upon me because I am dark because the sun has tanned me. My mother's sons were angry with me. They made me the keeper of the vineyards but my own vineyard I have not kept. Oh, so she got married but she had some baggage that she brought into the marriage because of the things that she went through as a child. Oh, okay, who's supposed to fix that? Well, her husband's supposed to wash her with washing of water by the word to purify her from all impurity so he can present her to himself. So if you go from chapter 1 all the way to chapter 8, what you'll see is him washing her with words. Washing her with words. Washing her with words. Washing her with words. Now look at chapter 8, verse 10. Look at chapter 8, verse 10. John, John, if you can give me that one in the King James, can you do it just regular King James? Do that. Chapter 8, verse 10. You getting something out of this? All right. Now look at chapter 8, verse 10. I am a wall and my breast like tower. Then was I in his eyes as one that found favor. She said, my self-concept changed because of how he saw me. He saw me a certain way. He talked to me a certain way. His words washed me. They nourished me. They cherished me. And by the end of the book, I started out feeling self-conscious. But by the end of the book, I said, baby, I look good. Because my husband, I look good to my husband and I look good to myself. That's how that's supposed to work. She got past her self-consciousness because of the love he was showing to her, but his love to her started with his words. He washed her with washing of water by his words. And so she came out of that self-consciousness. Slowly but surely, she came out of that because he kept talking to her. He talked her out of it. He talked her into who she was in Christ. He talked her into a confidence in herself so that she could be all that God had created her to be because his words nourished her. Pastor David, that's some good preaching. Yes, it is. Now, John, go back to my PowerPoint. So um, I told you at at the... Now, how did I get all of this revelation? Because I asked God and I opened up the Bible. Okay, now, because he's given it to me and because I'm a preacher, now I get to let the whole church experience the benefit. Because how can they believe on whom they've not heard? How can they call on him and whom they've not believed? How can they believe on him? whom they've not heard how can they hear except there be a preacher how can one preach except he be sent God sent me to preach this stuff people aren't preaching it and that's why our marriages are in trouble people don't even have faith that it's possible to fix stuff but they don't have faith because they haven't heard they don't know they don't mean bad. They just haven't had a preacher. That's right. yeah, that's right. They don't mean bad. They just haven't had a preacher. So because they haven't had a preacher to preach it, they can't believe it. They can't have faith for it and experience the grace to have it. Yeah. All right. Go on to my next slide, John. So at Nedra's birthday party, what I said was is that every wife is a tale Said here every woman, but I meant literally every wife. Every wife is a tale of three fathers. First is her father, two is her husband's father, and three is her husband as father. So let's let's break that down. Okay. If we see this woman, it talks about her mother's situation, but God always looks at a situation in the childhood and he blames the father. He still he always asks Adam, Where are you? So, there is this father who somehow abdicated the fullness of his duty. But when she gets married, um, two households are coming together, and whatever her husband's father dealt, she's going to have to live the consequences because her his daddy is also affecting her. For real, for real. Right? Mm-hmm. If he didn't see his dad be a good husband, he's not going to have a blueprint for being a good husband. I'm just saying. So she's experiencing the tale of her husband's father as much as she is her own father. But when they bring her down the aisle. In most weddings, her father brings her down the aisle and the preacher says, who gives this woman to be married to this man? And then the father says, I do. And then that father turns her over to her husband and saying, whatever I didn't get done, bro, you got to finish the rest of the job. Her husband as father. Now, is that biblical? Well, turn to Isaiah 9 and 6. Does the husband become a father? Well, let's look at Jesus and the church. Isaiah 9, verse 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government should be upon his shoulders. name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. Husband as father. So God's expectation is, Whatever them other two fathers didn't get done, you go, brother, when you married, are you supposed to finish the job? Woo, that's some good preaching, Pastor David. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. That's what Jesus did. He finished the job. Okay. Now, so we see that in the Song of Solomon, Solomon nourished, cherished, and washed her to the point where she overcame all of the the baggage of her past. Husband as father. See, we don't have, we have, we have w- wives trying to mother their husbands, not husbands trying to father their wives. I am preaching real good up in this church right here. We got, we got... <laughs> We got, we got women trying to raise their husbands that's not the way God meant it he didn't mean it that way A man is supposed to leave his father and mother and be cleave and cleave and he, he's supposed to be ready he's supposed to be ready to, to he's supposed to have some spiritual maturity on him. now you can do it the other way but it's hard to build a house in a hurricane. Okay, I'm just saying. I'm not saying it can't work. I'm just saying you took the long way round. <laughs> I'm just saying. Okay, you follow me? All right. So there were these three fathers. Now go on to the next slide, my last slide. One more slide. Y'all getting a lot out of this? Well, there's actually a fourth father. It's not just her husband, her father. It's not just... Um her husband's father, not just her husband as father. It is her heavenly father. Now the other three might, you know, step out of it because the man has left his husband, his, his mother and father. And then at the, at the wedding, her father presents to her, but the heavenly father says, I'm still in this thing, bruh. So um, if you ain't treating her white, right, I'm grading you. So he says, dwell with her according to knowledge, or your prayers are going to get hindered. Get it? So how you, the heavenly father, is watching how you do what you do. He's watching. He's watching. he's grading. He's grading. He's grading. Now, if he likes what he sees, he's releasing grace to you to experience life. Right. So I'm going to walk in this kind of love because there's going to be a favor that comes on my life as a result. Praise the Lord for those of you that have been watching online. I pray that this message stirred you. I pray that it challenged you. You know, some of the stuff you probably have never heard before, because this even for me, even for Destiny Generation, some of this is stuff that God taught me, but he didn't give me license to really teach it in this kind of format. I know that if you take the things that i've shared with you and believe them and receive them particularly for you husbands this will change your life and it'll change the whole trajectory of your family forever wives i know some of you are saying god this is not where i am well you got to intercede for your man because the wife has authority over the husband's body so you're going to have to intercede for him and believe god for him to be everything that god created him to be and Remember that the solution demonstrates the problem. God said that man was all one, and I'm going to make a help meet for him, which means men need help. Yeah. So you might have to help your man be everything that God has for him to be, and that's okay. He has given you the capability and suited you to give him the help he needs to be the man he needs to be. All right. I'm going to ask you to do something for me. I'm going to ask you if this message was a blessing to you, please like it. Please share it and then go out to um, text NGHC to five, four, two, four, four. It's in the comments section there. And then sow a seed into this word. Help us to spread this kind of dynamics of destiny relationships to the uttermost parts of the world. I believe that this word is sent from God to change marriages all around the planet. The Lord told me that He had given me a ministry to do that. And I'm praying that it bless you. And I'm asking you to help me to send it further as well. Please consider coming to our congregation here at 1011 Hammond Avenue in the city of Flint. You can always watch online, but there's nothing like being in the presence of God and in the presence of the company of believers. Our services are not only here Tuesday nights at 630 p.m., but Sundays at 1030 a.m. So please come out to us. We love you. God bless you. We appreciate you. Bye bye. Were you blessed today? Woo!